Into the Archives with Peter Fleming. A quest for the lost children's television classics of Peter Fleming. Presented by me, Peter Fleming. This week at month, the Christmas special. Hello, ho, ho, my friends, and season's greetings. Peter Fleming here, BBC children's pioneer and... Uh, well, that, that's it, actually, a BBC children's pioneer. I'm recording this special episode because every Christmas, as the snow billows and the fireplaces roar, I can't help but recall the festive televisual treats I gave viewers across the land throughout my career. Like all my programmes, these were sadly never so fortunate as to escape being wiped burned, or, in one case, I understand, shot to pieces. BBC Enterprises were very enthusiastic that day. But I've always been hopeful of a Christmas miracle, and who knows, perhaps this is the year something finally makes its way back. I've got my stocking at the ready, uh, unusually wide so it can fit film cans and two-inch tape. Uh, you need huge feet to wear it. Uh, but just what are the programmes on my Christmas list? Well, let's refresh your memories. After all, I've, uh, I've, I've really nothing else to do. This is... Peter Remembers. Well, in all my time at the BBC, there never was an unproductive Christmas. I'd always insist on putting together a seasonal instalment of whatever programme I was making at the time, and often they'd be very well received, especially Carol's Carol Singers in 1965, which was pretty much the only time the programme made any sense. Uh, even 1962, my first year at the Beeb, uh, ended with a festive edition of Professor Zaney's Mad Laboratory, when the professor used the story of the Magi to tell us about the periodic table, with his gifts of gold, francium and mercury. Uh, used the real things as well, which had a significant impact in the new year, as the mercury vapours escaped on camera and sent Freddie Stevens, who played the professor, completely round the bend. <laughs> After that, we didn't have to put as much work into writing his dialogue. We'd just walk him onto the set and switch the cameras on. He was bound to say something loopy. Uh, that was until he eventually became too erratic and had to get Graham Crowden in to play him instead. Uh, after a time, the heads of department noticed I had a certain flair for these things. I've got an internal memo here, actually, that says I am, quote, perfectly suited to leading a new Christmas serial for his enthusiasm, if not his talent. Uh, so it was that I began making a new programme each year for the season. Uh, the Elf's General Strike came first in 1968, widely pilloried as left-wing propaganda, up until our panicked response in the final episode, which was far more widely pilloried for attacking trade unions. Not least within the BBC itself. Uh, industrial action nearly brought the whole schedule down after that. Uh, the following year, Mother Christmas imagined an Arctic matriarchy, and it was really ahead of its time, showing her dropping presents off while her doddery husband stayed at home and made the supper. Enchanted a whole generation, so much so that it was remade in 2003 as a one-off special for uh, BBC Four. Four, indeed. Well, I never... It was, uh, it was overseen by a, a pair of young up-and-coming writers, uh, Stephen Moffat and Mark... Gatis. It was a wonderful piece of work, and it was lovely to see it remembered so fondly. I must say, I don't remember her taking her clothes off quite so much in our version. Probably more surviving telesnaps if she had. But best loved of all my Christmas programmes, the one I'd most like to see back, I must say, was The 
Christmas Mysteries. It was so popular, it returned every year from 1971 to 1975. There was a different case to be solved every time by the children of Farley Grange, along with their little dog, Digger, and the ghost of Crippins, the gardener. They'd solve the mystery and bring the culprit to justice all in time for Christmas dinner with the oblivious adults of the family. <laughs> Usually it turned out to be the wicked schoolmistress behind everything, but you could never be sure. One year it was, it was a horse. Oh, I wish I could see an episode of it again, you know. Even just to hear the music, it was a special achievement for me, actually. I, I had to compose the theme tune myself in a hurry after Dudley Simpson became too busy or or didn't like the programme, or the amount of money we were offering, or something. Uh, but I was very proud of it, you know. It came up with some sort of rhythmic interest, I remember. Uh, but, da, 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 no, no, that wasn't it. Uh, I can't place it. So there are no off-air recordings of this one. I can't think why. Uh, children too busy with their new presents to be interested in their old tape recorders, perhaps. <laughs> oh, well, even if I can't quite place it now, at the time, hearing that theme music every year, knowing I was a part of the atmosphere families were enjoying across the country, I felt like a magician. <laughs> I've got their memories, at least. And that's Christmas, really, isn't it? You, know, you might not always have the same things to enjoy that you did the year before, but you look around and you, you see what you have got. Make the best of it. I might not have the same family Christmas I used to, uh, sitting in front of BBC One, looking at all the things my friends and I have made, but but I can still enjoy a family Christmas. Uh, last few years, what I've done is uh, find a nice-looking household, crouch down outside the living room window and watch the television with them uh, from behind a bush. Uh, watch them open their presents, uh, have dinner. It's lovely. I just have to make sure I don't get too swept up in it all, because if they spot me when I let my guard down, I, I can't run as fast as I used to. <laughs> uh, well, on that wholesome note... Why not think about how to spruce up your own celebrations with this commercial message? The Peter Fleming Christmas Hamper, a sumptuous Yuletide feast delivered directly to your home. Sink your teeth, tongue, gums and anything else you like within reason into a mouth-watering collation inspired by Peter's many programs. Please note, recipes dictated entirely by which ingredients were available at the time. Granny Green's Leafy Christmas Pudding, a delicious deciduous dish. Onion stuffing from Naughty St. Nick, made from a stolen onion, repeatedly punched until crumbly. Rudolph's Rattling Surprise, the surprise is it's made from hamster bones and I've spoiled it now. Plus a warming bottle of port, made entirely from rain. Send off for yours by the 23rd for delivery in time for Christmas. Peter will descend your chimney like St. Nick himself and hand you your food straight from the fireplace. Warning, be sure to grease your chimney for ease of access and on no account light a fire during your delivery window. Yours for just $49.99 or special offer completely free if you can give Peter a bed till Boxing Day. Order now! It's a good deal, that, you know, not to be sniffed at. And I, and I really do mean that. Don't, don't smell any of it, for God's sake. Well... I think it's now time for a festive dip into Peter's private collection. Well, I'm pleased today to be able to share with you an object that harks back to a marvellous Christmas tradition. In 1972, I took part in that year's Christmas episode of Blue Peter. <laughs> it was all part of an ongoing effort to get my own badge. 
Uh, previously, I'd been trying to ask Biddy Baxter for one. I'd, uh, I'd walk past her in the corridor at TV Centre and say, Could I have a badge, Biddy? And she'd say to me, Who are you? It was a running joke she and I had over the years. Uh, but I was determined to get one. So that year, I cunningly disguised myself as a member of the Salvation Army Band and marched into the studio for the final carol. Unfortunately, just before the last verse, as I was edging closer to one I'd spotted, uh, Petra sensed something was wrong and leapt up, chasing me out of the studio. Uh, so no luck on that occasion, but I did come away with a small portion of the Advent crown and this really fetching trumpet. <sighs> yeah. I fell over as Petra chased me and it had become quite warped. So... Oh, well, let's pop that to one side and have a read of some of your own Christmas correspondence in... Messages from Beyond. Well, since our little break, the post has continued to ebb and flow, or at the very least ebb. I've had uh, two bits of correspondence come in in the last few weeks. Uh, first of all, uh, Philip in Romsey writes, Any tips for a man trying to find his wife a Christmas present? Uh, well, Philip, uh, no. Uh, uh, second, but not least, uh, and this one came along with a jiffy bag full of chocolate coins and satsumas, so extra marks there. Uh, Gemma in Chichester writes, I have sent the first six episodes of Into the Archives with Peter Fleming to you first class at the smelly phone box. I thought I'd send you this letter next day delivery to let you know. Ah, well, thank you very much, Gemma. Uh, unfortunately, I had to vacate the smelly phone box the day after I received this letter, uh, due to a visit from the man who had given it its distinctive musk. I might be able to pop back and pick the tapes up, though uh, it's possible they're now a bit damp. Uh, she goes on, As Christmas is approaching, brackets, I hope you enjoy the enclosed chocolate coins and satsumas. Uh, yes, thank you very much. Uh, I'm minded of the Christmas mysteries, a yearly fixture in our house. <laughs> Well, there you are, you see. Even the theme music was spellbinding. We looked at it in our music lessons, and how you occasionally had a bar with five beats in it instead of three. That's what it was. Um, da, da, da. Oh, she's written it down, isn't she? Uh, da, 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 da. Yes, that's what it did. That's what it was. <laughs> spellbinding, eh? Magician indeed. What did I tell you? Well, uh, thank you for that, Gemma. You know, that's, that's really made my Christmas. <laughs> uh, and if you want to get in touch with your theme music memories or seasonal good wishes or even copies of my programmes to put in my stocking, I, I'd love to hear from you at the following address. Peter Fleming, the poorly lubricated chimney, number 28, I think, Hollybush Lane, Mickle Trafford, Cheshire, See you next year. Messages from beyond. Well, uh, night's coming on up above, so there's a little more to do now except to wish you well for the new year. Um, while nothing's come back for the archives this year, I'm hopeful for the future, and I'm grateful for the friends I've made along the way. So... Time for me to kick back with a, a glass of rain port, a handful of onion stuffing. Uh, oh, I'll have a few chocolate coins as well. Let's have them now. And the uh, search for my programmes will go on. So, what, what's this? 
little tape cassette. I buried him with the chocolate coins. Gemma didn't mention anything about it. It's a little P.S. What must she say? P.S. I went through my old school things in the attic, and it turns out I made a recording. Sorry it's not a full episode. There's been a recording all this time. I can't believe... Oh, Gemma. <laughs> well, my friend, <laughs> looks like we're not quite finished after all. <laughs> Against all the odds, let's give our ears a surprise dip into the audio archive. Audio archive. Well, I've, I've, I've popped this cassette into my little tape player. I, I'm not sure from the label what exactly it is. It, it, oh, oh, my fingers are tingling. <laughs> well, here we go. A generation game. First on BBC One, Truce Will Out for the children of Farley Grange in the final episode of The Christmas Mysteries. David did catch the right scent. Yes, and whoever's been scribbling away the church collection has been taking the money to the schoolhouse. Well, doesn't that hatch the crow's nest? I told thee, Master Robin. I told thee. Pipe down, Crippins. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, if we want to catch the beggar napping, we need to get to the church hall right away. End of the recording. Oh, I've, I've not heard that in 45 years. I wasn't sure I'd ever hear it again, you know. It's all coming back to me, you know, their little voices, and that music. Oh, I can smell the studio. I can hear the full manager counting down. Oh, Gemma, I think that might be the loveliest present I've ever had. Oh, thank, thank goodness you like your theme tunes, eh? Oh, I feel all warm. Well, that might be down below, actually. I think they've started a fire. And corks. I hope they don't mind the smoke down there. I'm going to be blocking the way. Oh, let's listen again. Fine. The Christmas Mystery. <sighs> Maybe I can play along, actually. No, maybe not. Yeah. Well, that's about all we've got time for on Into the Archives this week, uh, this month, and this year. One clip down, a few more to find. But I really think we might manage it, you know. We'll carry on next year. Until then, my friends, keep up the search, keep in touch, 
and stay tuned. Into the Archives was presented by Peter Fleming. His archivist and producer of the program is Tom Burgess. Music and sound were found in a skip in Made Avail by Peter Fleming and remastered by Tom Burgess. The Christmas Mysteries was written, produced and directed by Peter Fleming and One Week Douglas Canfield. Compliments regarding your favourite episode should probably be directed to his estate. Special thanks to Suze Kempner and Eleanor Morton. The Daleks were created by Terry Nation. This programme was a Peter Fleming production for Christmas. And incidentally, a happy Christmas to all of you at home.